It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Orcs worship grooms, the one-eyed god of slaughter, and our savage, bloodthirsty marauders. Today, we delve into their lore and combat mechanics to ensure the next time you run them in your games, you can get the most out of them, leaving your player characters begging for mercy. Unfortunately, Grooms doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Garvin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. I want to take a second to welcome uh, Garwin. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Garwin is our uh, Emerald patron. So uh, one of the benefits of becoming an Emerald patron is you get to join us every three months or so as a guest host. So... Uh, Garwin, would you like to tell the people a little bit about yourself? Well, I not really much to tell. <laughs> I played in some of an uh, Justin's games. Played in, I played in the other uh, what was it, The Haunt, a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Quite fun. Yeah. I yeah. occasionally run a bit of D and D here at home, main, and play with the guys as well. Been doing it for. It's been now four, five years or so. Usually been fun. There's a reason why we're talking about orcs today, isn't there? Yes. I, why is that? I do love them to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an understatement. The truth of where orcs come from is right there. He loves orcs a little too much. So why yep. don't you uh, start us off with some of the basic information uh, of the lore? He's going to uh, Garwin's going to be feeding us tidbits of lore as we discuss the combat uh, combat mechanics of the different uh, orcs in the monster manual. I'll just start this out with a quick shout out to Ruth. Love you, babe. She's <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> well, how would we do a quick questionnaire in in the way to do this? A specific topics, the, the broad thing of all of orc kind. Anything you'd like to know about them specifically? Um, for me, uh, or are you asking the audience? Because this would be a good question for audience members too that we can answer as we go oh, on. Either or. Um, one of the things that I've always wanted to know about orcs, obviously, they follow grooms, but I don't think they ever. They didn't always follow grooms. They weren't born following grooms. Is that a- correct? Actually, grooms created them. So, oh, is yeah. that uh, grooms see, created I them? I didn't know that. <laughs> so, like, did he birth I them mean, from his womb or from like his like eye? Him. He looks like them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's uh, a fun question. Uh, what is orcs cooking like? Ooh, that's a good one, Alex. Bomb. Well, that depends on the orc. Grey orcs, they're a bit more sophisticated. They might have some seasoning here and there, but all orcs are carnivorous. They don't have any greenery. 
they just can't digest it properly. Funnily mm. enough, though, unlike normal monsters, they actually prefer normal game meat and not humanoids. They find humanoids kind of bland, <laughs> which is kind of funny when you consider the fact that, on the, uh, for example, mountain orc cooking, it's described as you're you're not sure if the, if you're eating something that tastes like shoe or if they just threw the shoe in there. <laughs> A little extra. And, I do gotta yeah. add, add he, to the. Uh... And here was Brooklyn that work was saying, "Drow, the other dark meat." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. So no taste good. Oh, no, no, if they, you've, they don't uh, like it. Had the they pleasure. will eat humanoids, you know, when they can here and there, but they don't prefer it. That's fair. If you've had the pleasure of buying the uh, D and D cookbook, yeah, they have orc jerky. They have orc bacon in there, oh, and yeah. it is oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that's really common with orcs is they are in D and D at least up to my knowledge, uh, which is very limited compared to the vast font of knowledge in Garwin's brain. Um, that they are often tri- treated as kind of a plague on civilization. They fight amongst themselves a lot, mostly to prove strength, but sometimes to get some raid and looting in, right? Um, but they do have a love for close combat, and they plunge, you know furiously into the thick of battle without giving uh, uh, any thoughts to tr- uh, retreat or surrender. Yeah. How's Very that often it is the case. Mm-hmm. Though it depends on which god they follow more. For example, if they follow Ilneval, or Ilneval, I can never get that name right. Ilneval. What's that part of it? I don't remember. No, if none of us know. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's the orc <laughs> god of war and strategy. If they follow him, they'll have actual strategy in their fights. Like, they're the type that might have actual siege equipment, for example. Oh. Might might actually divert their forces here or there. Might split apart to come behind the enemy while distracting them over there. When an orc priest of Ilnaval appears in an orc horde, their strategies get... If not to human levels, then maybe a little beyond it sometimes too, depending on his proficiency. Yeah, that that you actually pointed out something really interesting there that they they specialize in like siege equipment. That's not something that I've ever actually thought about in my campaigns with orcs. I don't think I've ever given them a catapult, but I just love the idea of them flinging like corpses of the dead people they've slain back oh, yeah. at the enemies they're attacking. Like, <laughs> hey, you lost your guard. Here's it back. Because think like, of- probably one of my favorite tactic is when you have, for example, mountain orcs. They're one of the few orc main orc races that actually in that actually use animals and monsters, but they don't train them. They believe that by training them, they take the savagery out of them. So they just have wild monsters of any kind you can find in mountains or hills, everywhere from like low tier dragons to manticores or something. <laughs> one of my favorite tactics is probably. Taking a catapult or a trebuchet, strapping it to a mam- mammoth, <laughs> and having the orcs ride the wild creature to battle while it while tossing stones and whatnot. Oh, that's cool. So, so they do need orcs with them in the colony to actually make that equipment. Right. Mountain orcs are too dumb to actually make this kind of stuff. And to so clear, so, if they have orcs in there, they can make it. And if I recall correctly, orcs are half orc, half ogre. Mm-hmm. We'll yep. touch on that. Shortly. Or either that, or they're somewhere in the 5,000th generation of the line and an orc fucked an ogre at one point. <laughs> so when an orc there's rides... There's no interbred with orcs that they just pop out now again and randomly. 
when an orc rides a dire wolf, it's really a flip of a coin whether or not that becomes its next meal. Yep. <laughs> so and we, they love it. We had a really good question here from Andrew. It says, uh, what is orc schooling like? I imagine not <laughs> in depth, but they have a language and understand at least basic math. So surely they have something. Yeah. And again, that also depends on the type of orc. Like a half orc, that's a flip of the coin wherever the fuck they're born. <laughs> so we don't talk about that. The uh, Grey Orcs, they have in-depth religious teachings as they are, or they are like religious fanatics. They come from a world which they already took completely over, and Grooms is, and they're the dominant race there. And as you can imagine, Grooms is pretty fucking powerful over there. Right. It's kind of fun. So he likes they, to keep they his teach, eye on they his They basically targets. teach their gonna, uh, kids and whatnot about like gonna, uh, religion and whatnot, and mm-hmm. some maybe math here, they're like how to count to ten. But mountain orcs don't really teach at all, really. They just, whatever the fuck you can learn. They might teach you this or that, but they don't really care. Aurochs, they're probably the ones that might have education centers, but it depends on the auroch. Ian, this axe, you chop. I teach you to slash tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, so... To my understanding, um, and Brandon can probably touch on this about uh, they don't really have settlement. They don't really build settlements of their own. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, orcs don't build settlements of their on their own. Uh, instead, improving existing shelters with crude fortifications. They they prefer to settle in natural caves or structures abandoned by others, more skillful races. Uh, orcs can manage simple ironwork and stonework, but they are lazy and grasping, <laughs> preferring to take by force the tools, weapons, and goods. Uh, that other people have made. So, can you give us some kind of uh, expansion on that? Like, what, uh, what is, yeah. is there? A, like a, a, a popular orc, you know, um, area that they took over that wasn't something that they built? Well, probably the uh, uh, what are the mountains called? The, uh, the big ass mountains at the very top of the map, Everest. No, no, <laughs> no, not the, the spine. The, I think is what it's called. The spine yeah, of the, the world. The spine of the world. Yeah. They've taken over a vast majority of them. In fact, that's where they've basically resided in all of history so far. And there is an orc king that's managed to get together a bunch of fucking tribes. And they have a settlement there that's about 5,000 orcs strong. And that is terrifying. Right. Uh, The the only thing I really know about them is that the lore states that he seems to not want to go to war with a race around him, which I find odd. Hmm. And honestly, I suspect that he's probably not an orc and has been replaced by something or someone and they're being manipulated. <laughs> it's a doppelganger. Um, so we got yeah. uh, another question here before we move on to combat tactics from Israel. Uh, forgive me if I mispronounce it. Israeli Denal. Israel. Israel Denal. I apologize if I slaughtered that. What type of weapons are more natural slash better suited for orcs? Because right now uh, that's mostly in their stat block is like uh, great axe and and javelin yeah. and that's pretty they much it would prefer axes mauls they would prefer those over swords like if they find a fancy sword they might pick it up but they don't have a preference for it they prefer weapons that they don't need to be overly skillful in and they can use their strength with so they don't that's like bows. one of these why they have javelins instead of bows for example mm, so, that's honestly bow is a more strength based weapon they might also have throwing axes if you can get them those. You can eat the bolt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not picturing the orcs as the Scotsman of the D&D world. <laughs> a good example of an orc weapon is the mountain orc's invention of the double-bladed axe. 
they just went, axe? Blade here. What if I stick blade on other end? Oh! <laughs> That's great. More blade. I love that. All right, they, so... If you remember, right, they also invented weapons of slaying. I feel like that doesn't items. go... That doesn't fit the orc. Orc and invented just doesn't go together for me in my head. <laughs> Not some really, reason, like... but also think of it this way. We invented weapons rock throwing. <laughs> like, a weapon of slaying, it's quite literally just that <laughs> specific thing. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some combat tactics. We're about 15 minutes in here. So um, oh, yeah. we're going to start with the generic orc. We've talked a lot about the, the lore and stuff of orc. So and, and everything we're going to be talking about is going to be in the Monster Manual, 5th edition. Uh, the orc really only has a great axe and a javelin. Those are their only two weapons. But what really lets them stand out is their aggressive feat, which means as a bonus action, the orc can move up to its speed towards a hostile creature that it can see. So to me, that needs to be the core of their combat style in the game. So the question is, is how do we get the most out of a great axe and a javelin and this aggressive feat? Because they don't, they don't have multi attack. Not the, not the, the basic orc at all. As they move up to their speed. I mean, free. As a bonus action, yes. I mean, something to note about the orc. That's their version of a commoner. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about that. That's their commoner. Which is terrifying <laughs> for common, real commoners. <laughs> so, and they're not super bright. They got intelligence of seven, but yeah. the fact that they're aggressive um, means that they can close a 60-foot gap on their turn. And oh, yeah. that, my friend, is what makes them terrifyingly <laughs> deadly. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to get you. <laughs> like, like, they don't, they see a distance and they go, all right, I'm going to go that distance. Yeah, and what's cool though is I ran into a uh, I ran into in a, one of the games I was in. The DM had six orcs, and I ran into them and I couldn't reach them. So they uh. all threw javelins at me, and now in my head I didn't expect that. I expect them to all charge, which you know I could I could hopefully defend. Um, but no, they threw javelins at me, and the javelin while it doesn't do as much damage as the greatsword. Doesn't matter when there's ten of them. When there's ten orcs around you, (laughs) throwing javelins, you're boned. So for me to really get the most out of these, yes, swinging the axe does more damage. But I think if you really want to make them a terrifying threat early on at a half CR, having them focus on throwing their javelins all before they run in. Um, Oh yeah, this is my javelin. I need to chuck. God in any pantheon. He's so dumb. His his father grooms and his mother Luthig need to tell him how to how to put his avatar into play and when to do it. That's funny. So is there any? So uh, the, the the first the basic orc, the commoner orc, as Garwin says, is kind of basic. It really just has the aggressive, but that gives them a huge advantage, especially if they ready and wait. Until the adventurers fall within that, because if the adventurers are, are hunting them and chasing them, they're going to get to the point where they're going to be limited by how far they can get, right? And so they're going to run, like, and then they're going to stop. 
They're pretty wise. So yeah, they're they're smart. They're, I wouldn't say the orcs are smart, but their leaders, their their commanders oh, or yeah. whatever, are are tactical masters. Yeah. So they would give the command to not charge in and just swing, but to throw axes or throw their the, chuck their throw hands. <laughs> chuck their javelins, which I think is really really great. Um, chuck their chucks. So, uh, <laughs> so going up from that, we've got uh, three more to talk about. Next, I want to talk about the the orog, because this is, uh, in my opinion, is like the next step up, which is probably often kind of the commander of the uh, the the little squads, like a squad leader. What can you tell us about yeah. orogs? Well, orogs are what happens when a what's the male orog or female? Fuck, I always get this wrong. <laughs> They're what happens when a male orc and a female ogre breed. Or, at this point, whenever the fuck it happens to happen, because orcs and ogres have bred so interchangeably that it just it, an orc can just pop up randomly now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get an orgog, and you get an orog. Um, They're quite hilarious. Though they do have cities in the Underdark, mm-hmm. where they have actually become pretty prolific smiths and crafters. They're probably behind probably only the drow and the and the dwarves down there now. And which like, is also why they come with full plate. Because they make that shit themselves. And it's worth noting too that the Orog's intelligence is twelve, not which, seven. Yeah, which <laughs> is way higher. Which is why I, I in my mind in my in my world, um they're treated as like squad commanders or, or yeah. whatever because while they aren't the they aren't um the strongest of the orcs like the cheat war chief or the, the Eye of Grumsh, the fact that they have a twelve intelligence means they can strategize very, very well. And oh, using yeah. those javelins to their uh, benefit. They also get multi-attack. So now we can combine oh. that aggressive with the multi-attack. Which, because they got a plate armor, they could literally swing at one person. Then just run and swing at another. Which yeah. I feel like would make for a <clears throat> lot of dynamic combat. They also got an 18 strength and con, so... They're going to choke a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, yeah. Brandon? This sounds terrifying and I don't want to mess with it. Okay. <laughs> like, like, I could probably imagine an Orog running into the fray, tackling their the and the party's biggest player, getting him grappling him, getting to the ground, then having the have others come up come come around and then start beating the guy up. I think that works really well with the Orog because it has multi attack. It can gr- grapple and shove, so I can totally yeah. see the the Orog running in, grappling somebody, shoveling in the ground, and then commanding all the aggressive orcs with their aggressive feature to charge yeah. to get to it and attack it with advantage while it's pinned to the ground. Um, yeah. and that is terrifying as a player. Yep, stay down. If oh, yeah. uh, even though their CR is low, mm. if one of these Orogs chokes you and then you pin them to the ground. And then it commands everyone death. And like six of these bastards who are doing are doing different fights turn around and all charge and swing. That is a moment of oh my god, my character's going to die. Um, and that's oh, the, yeah. that's where aggressive becomes so potent. I think where you can use weaker creatures to just overrun the the, the power. Because even if a paladin is in plate armor with a shield at what eighteen AC, and you've got six of those swinging with advantage on him. At least two or three are probably going to hit, so yeah. um, it's terrifying to think about. So uh, like twenty AC ain't gonna protect you forever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so let's talk about the orc, uh, orc Eye of Grooms. Can you tell us a little bit about them and their lore? Well, an orc Eye of Grooms is what happens when a when an orc goes onto the battlefield, kills an elf, and goes, "I killed this this elf for Grooms." 
and then a Grumps gives them a either either he uh, he gives them an omen, which might be an extreme headache, which is known as Grumps's head pat. Good job. Or some other kind of omen, and then they pluck their own eye out as a sacrifice to Grooms to symbolize his loss of an eye to an elf. Damn. And then they get their clerical powers. Because uh, Horsa and Grooms are clerics. Yes. So, um, and that's really interesting. So, um, this one is actually a CR2, so it's significantly higher than a regular orc, but is the same CR as an Orog. But I would argue that these are stronger than the Orog. Not in, like, physical oh, might, yeah. but in functionality. Because... First of all, they get ring mail and a shield, so they got an AC of 16, not quite as high as the Orog, but the fact that they can spell cast um, makes them very, very potent, starting with... Less than spiritual weapon are scary. Oh, yes. So, um, mm-hmm. so let, let's, let's get in that. So they're going, they have Groomsh's Fury, which instantly means their weapons do extra damage, uh, which is, mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, though in my mind, I feel like there should be some sort of, um, type with that. It's just extra weapon damage. Um, I feel like there should be more to that, but you know. Yeah, there really should be, but. But that's just how I'm it not is. Not a game mechanic. So let's talk about their spell casting. They get guidance, resistance, and thermaturgy. <coughs> First of all, the thermaturgy is great for intimidation checks and and right. really showing that it's a magical creature. Um, but topping it off with uh, just being able to toss out resistance to their allies is fantastic, especially if it works with an orog or um, another orc to protect it. But bless, bless. That is single-handedly one of the most dangerous features to give to orcs. Because as we talked about, the Orog choking a bitch and pinning them down is already a problem. But now give bless to those those orcs that now not only have advantage but have a D four on top of their attack roll. You're you're going to demolish even if it's a barbarian pinned to the ground. You are gonna fuck his shit up, and it is terrifying. But that also means that it is more of a support character from a distance, right? Yeah. Like an Orca of Grooms, his job support the group and yell out commands if there isn't anyone smarter around. Yes, yes. That's where Thaumaturgy also comes into play. Yep, yep, that's really, really good. And I'm guessing that's not a high bar to uh, have over. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I see command. Now, one of my favorite yeah. tactics with an Orca of Grooms is that when it's a particularly big raiding party and there's two of them, mm-hmm. I have one of them have less, but then I give another Bane. Ooh. Yeah. So you have one with Bless and one with Bane, and they work together. One to buff the, their allies, the other weaken their yep. enemies. Ooh, that yep. is such a nasty combination, and oh, I love yeah. it. Like, You're so my evil. Fav- my favorite thing to do, Bane on the Barbarian and are the other strong people that are frontline fighters, mm-hmm. and Bless on the Orok and the other Orcs, and try and grapple that Barbarian down and just surround him. I love it. And see, you go for the Barbarian. I personally would go for somebody not wearing armor at all. That's not buff. So for me, when I think uh, Orog commanding orcs to attack, he's charging after a spellcaster to choke a bitch. <laughs> he's not messing yeah. around. But like The main reason I go after the Barbarian, he's a health sponge, and he's least, li- least likely to resist pain. It's true. Ooh. Yeah, That's... he disappears like, huh. Your party just lost their meat shield. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that makes the Eye of Grumsh interesting is uh, you mentioned spiritual weapon combination. So yeah. we talked about them using spells like Bless and Bane to buff and debuff. So they're going to want to keep yeah. their uh, distance. So using spiritual weapon 
allows them to engage in the combat. So I have a question for everyone. Um, if he casts spiritual weapon, does the groom's fury apply to that? Because I've yes. always had it apply, but I don't know it specifically it would, says that. It would apply since I've always looked at it this way. Groom's fury is Groom specifically blessing this creature. Mm-hmm. And this creature is using the power it gets from Groom's to summon spiritual weapons. So why wouldn't it? Right. That's in- like spiritual <laughs> weapon is just Groom's power. So why wouldn't it be blessed? Have the blessing that That's a good point. Has? I mean, it does say My damage when it hits with a weapon attack, and it is a weapon. No, it isn't. <laughs> spiritual weapon. It has the word weapon in it. But it's not, <laughs> actually, but it's not actually a weapon. It's a manifestation of, of a, a god's power. It just looks like a weapon. If I grab a stick and hit someone, it's still a weapon. <laughs> I think he's talking about for 5e mechanic purposes. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I'm with you, boss. Yeah. <laughs> and for the record, that is my inner rules lawyer speaking or anything else. Um, so. <laughs> so, But the other thing that they can do is augury, which basically allows them to get insight into what's going to happen which I think is a very good way for a DM to fix a setting or fix a situation. Oh, yeah. So the orc, you know, plays to gr- praise the grooms, gets this augury, and it says they have, you know, they, they have a, a what is it, a woe or what's what's the good one? Wheel, wheel. Um, good results. So for me as the DM, that means every DC just went up for the players. Um, and that's the way I kind of interpret those. I, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on that, Garwin. Uh, so I was reading and I, uh, a rather intriguing comment here. And I, uh, you found it rather strange that half orcs have orc resilience, but full orcs don't. <laughs> yes. That's me. That, that's yeah. this guy here. That is something that I, I've always found it strange, personally, because <laughs> See? it just shouldn't be a thing. Like, they should both have it. Right? It's orcish resilience. It's in the name. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, if you want to differentiate them, then give the half orc something. That's more like based on willpower or intelligence, not that. There is the only difference between Ooh, a half orc and an orc, literally, even physically, the only single difference is their mind. That's the only difference. There is no, there is no other difference. Yeah. We got an awesome question in chat here, and I would love to to hear your thoughts. When Groomsh had his eye taken out by Corellian, where did it, the eye go? Well. Where it went initially is not really known, but there is. But one thing that is known is that Luthig eventually got her hand on it and then gave it to, I uh, don't remember, Anayi, the primordial earth god guy to keep it for us, to keep it so that Anayi, because she was having an affair with him, ah. so that Scrooms couldn't, you know, go after him in case he found out. I see. That's, uh,. So, oh yeah, Helia had it before that. She left a bunch of crumbs for crumbs to find eventually, but Luthi got there first. So what you're saying is I need to create a legendary arf- artifact like the um, Hand of Vecna, but the Eye of Grumsh. I think it's been done, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Has it been done in 5e? Good question. Let me check. And like official content, Maybe. not homebrew. But yes, okay, so uh, we're, we're kind of running out of time. So the, uh, honestly, the Orc Eye of Grooms is one of my favorites because it's so versatile with the resistance and the blast. And the command, once again, sit, becomes very terrifying when you're surrounded by six Orcs who can immediately oh, yeah. charge after you and swat you with advantage. Like, it's it's it terrifying. And there's just so like, much you, you can do. You can even do. look. Go to look to the spellcaster in the party if it's a wizard with mm-hmm. a staff and go drop it. Ooh, I like that. Goodbye, component pouch or arcane focus. Neil. 
Ooh, that's a good one, too. I like it. All right, so let's talk about the last one in the Monster Manual, which is the Big Bad Chief. The War Chief. So, um, as with everything else, I noticed he's got a spear and not a javelin. Anybody else notice that? Yep. I don't know. Why did they yep. do that change? Because his name's Chuck. Oh, I it's hate you probably because or- <laughs> Grooms' signature weapon as a god is the spear. Okay. So then why don't they all use spears instead of javelins? Because spear is more finesse than strength. Really? And all, I thought yeah, they are both strength uh, weapons. Anyways, yeah. what we want to focus on is their battle cry feature. So they get battle cry, which basically means each creature of a war chief's choice that is within 30 feet of it can, that can hear it can uh, and is not already affected by it can gain advantage on attack rolls until the start of the war chief's next turn. This comes back, uh, and, and it gets to attack with a bonus action. So this comes back to having an intelligent creature on the battlefield issuing commands to demolish one person. Because that's the, that's the problem, I think, that we do as dungeon masters. We tend to, oh, there's six guys, let's spread them out evenly among uh, the yeah. characters. Uh, like, uh, really uh, only follows a Bakhtru would do that. Yeah, orcs, orcs, orcs <laughs> with leaders aren't going to do that. They are going to say... Oh, that's the biggest threat! Attack, and they're all going to use their aggressive movement and go after that one attack, that one enemy, which in this case is probably Brandon because the way he's looking at me. Because that's the way that's the way they would fight. Um, now, some may or may not listen. You might get a few, you know, dabblers, but and and I mean, they're no different than hobgoblins in the fact that they will work underneath somebody to get something done. Um, yeah. What are you thinking about over there? He's got some interesting looks on his face. Brandon, what are you thinking about? The horrifying fury of the war chief. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. very terrifying. And once again, it can uh it has multi attacks, so it may it can do the, the two extra attacks. It also can, you know, throw its spear and then charge and aggressively rush and attack, which I think gives it yep. a lot of benefits as well. But I feel also like the reason it's so strong is because all orc war chiefs are blessed by grooms. Because they managed to get to that position. That's and that's that's what and once again you're throwing a spear that now also gets the Groomsh's uh Groomsh's fury, right? So everything is just yeah. better with Groomsh apparently. Yep. It's actually it it, it and they, that Lord actually made me realize why they have a spear and the others don't. It's because they stand as the tribe's head and they basically represent Groomsh's might. That's why they have a spear, his weapon. Uh, what what if the orc war chief threw his spear? at one of the party members and hits them, and then the Eye of Groom says, uses command to say, throw it back. <laughs> <Why would they? laughs> That's funny. Throw it back, I need it. <laughs> and deliver it. <laughs> um, so, uh, overall... Bring me Chuck. <laughs> overall, I really think what it comes down to with getting the most out of the, the orcs in the 5th edition monster manual is that you want to have them focus on a command that... A, a command structure, even if it's just one yeah. leader, and that leader is another orc. Um, the command structure allows them to work together in unison because they're not going to do that otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. when you're deciding and building your combat encounters, take that into consideration. Even if you're going to do five orcs and one orc is the leader, give him one of the feats or something to make him stand out. Give him a different weapon. Maybe he's, yeah. you know, pretends to be a war chief and is wielding a spear and really shouldn't be. There'd be a great opportunity for lore leaking there too, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, for, depending on what god he follows, he might have a different weapon. Yeah, and that see, that's really Ilnawal, interesting too. Ilnawal would 
Inlimal would have a longsword. Bakru would just be his bare hands. Groom says a spear. Ooh, I love that. I love the bare-handed orc. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big and green, purple on, purple pants. <laughs> Anybody? Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, there, Garwin? Orcs. They are probably the only race I've come to, like a an intelligent race I've come to in D and D, that are the the it's probably the only race that lack the concept of racism. Because you're all uh, beneath them. <laughs> oh, I was just saying because they hate <laughs> no. everybody, right? <laughs> the thing about orcs is that their strength sexual. <laughs> oh my god Did yeah. like if you if you manage to beat them up oh you're you're equal with us now now we're gonna fight you harder oh let's, hey let's go to my tent but join forces there's only a single race in all of D that they will not help in any way they won't even take them as slaves and that's elves no, it, the it. point of an elf is to die that is the its entire point. Sure. That's great. They don't I love even that. take them as slaves. They just kill them. And orc, orc woman just walks up, punches him in the face, and is like, Ugh, I seem to be aroused. Usually in our society, women are a bit beneath them. That's until, that's, that's only because in general, orc women are a bit weaker. But if a woman pu- beats up a male orc, she's equal to the boys now. No yep. questions asked. I love it. Yep. Equal. I, I'm now thinking of like the uh, YouTube channel Dungeon Bastard, where where half orcs come from. Show the guys in the bar. Oh, that, Dude, that remind me. Hit that. Like <laughs> done. <Half-orcs? laughs> wait, wait, wait. What kind of hit? Yes. <laughs> Chungla. People have a strange conception about half orcs. <laughs> the only difference between half orcs and orcs is their brain, and even then. Half-orcs tend to overachieve because they're the only ones in the tribe that think they don't belong. Yeah. They Literally, all feel that they're way? They're the only orcs. So they tend to overachieve to try and belong even though no one else they cares. They just, dude, you're only one of us. So I got Alicia you know looking for the, uh, the, the meme that uh, Ian had shared. <laughs> but, uh, he, so he wrote up a meme, a, a Dennis meme that we're going to share. Start your adventure today. Experience tabletop RPGs run by professional game masters. Startplaying.games is the largest online platform for players to find tabletop role-playing and professional GMs for any game system and any virtual tabletop. Are you looking to play D&D online or find a virtual Pathfinder 2E group? Startplaying is part tabletop group finder and part games finder. Their professional game masters are running games all over the world. We've both had some fantastic experiences with the user-friendly and intuitive platform. In addition, the community and support are grade A. If you're a greenhorn or a veteran, role player, or a power gamer, you can easily find a game that works for you and your schedule. Visit startplaying.games today and join some new friends in your favorite tabletop RPG game. Or even give a new one a try. (laughs) Orc Champion! I, Dennis, challenge you to single combat. Really? Your name is Dennis. Actually, directly translated from Orcish, his name is Lover of Skulls, with strong annotations uh, of physical intimacy. Are you seriously telling me his name is Skull Effer? 
<laughs> One of my favorite memes. Thank you, honey, for bringing that up. All right, so that'll do it for our main topic. Uh, let us move on to our unearthed tips and tricks. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our unearthed tips and tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Today, our character concept is Rowan Jeptus Bowden, who's a human. Description-wise, when his character jumped out of a wizarding college of Wizardton, the first place ah. he went was a brewery. Wizardton. He, he drank <laughs> and drank. And good lord, did he drink. One of the concerned bartenders asked him what he was going to do with his life, and he replied, Just piss it away. <laughs> so his nickname became Just Piss. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he lost all coherency to his life and words. He was just a slobbering mess until, but in a tight spot. The combination of pumping adrenaline and a shot of booze is just what it takes for just piss to uh, perfectly recall his limited learning. And in the moment of clarity, he can be lethal. This man is a mess. <laughs> but if your party needs a little bit of chaos and foul-mouth insults and uh, guarantees some anonymity to balance out the uh, rod-up-the-butt paladin, invite him in. With a bandolier of booze shots, or his recommends to uh, spellcasting clarity. Oh, I love that. <laughs> booze bandolier? Are you kidding me? For spells? Smoke? Oh, that's that cool. His personality is that Jasmus doesn't have much of a personality. <laughs> Uh, booze and drunkenhood constitute his entire worldview. Social engagement and goal in life. Slurred drunk talk, the wilder, the better. And a few choice words for any giddy-giddy that makes Jaspis feel bad about himself is all that there is uh, to his to the stumbling. Swearing, sloshy, blurry-eyed wizard with a question mark. I got a quest for you. <laughs> I need more drink. Yeah, history. Jasper's earned a much-needed scholarship to 100% wizards wizarding community. <laughs> Call it a wizard or wizardton. <laughs> Due to his need and his potential, he initially showed promise and grades to match. But calling the professors bozos and dingleberries and know-nothings got him in hot water with the dean. No. The dean? Who did the dean think he was? Jasper's wondered. But his arrogance and fast temper caused Jaspis to lash out, turn the dean into a fainting goat, <laughs> and leave the halls of formal wizard wizarding education forever. The rest is a swimming, boozy fog of bloated ego, untrue drunk talk accomplishments, and scrapes and bruises from who knows where. His <laughs> motivations at the beginning, Jaspis is entirely void of emotion other than his next drink. Or entire void of motivation other than his next drink. But who's to say that he will stay that way? Perhaps the right party of adventurers will help him turn his life around. Or not. Whatever. Fuck off. Yeah, you. Don't notch me. I'll freaking arc your fool. Your mom, my family never argues. I'ma just piss away. Dad gonna. <laughs> I think the beverage tea submitted this, and I forgot to put it on here, but oh my yeah. god. It was so hard for me to get through this the first time I read it, because and somebody and uh, Andrew touches on it in, in chat about it being a drunken master but wizard, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. So It is fantastic. 
Uh, I definitely would love to see this in one of my stories and campaigns. (laughs) Could you imagine trying to hire this guy? Oh, hire me. No, hire me. Uh, (laughs) What can you do? Fireball. (laughs) Got a quest for you. We'll give you 10 gold. I'll do it for eight. (laughs) (laughs) He starts like haggling backwards. But we're only offering you 10. 15. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our character concept, Roland Jaspis Bowden. Oh my gosh. All right, our monster variant of the podcast is the Orc gr- Drudge. Guess why I picked Orc? <laughs> so you're going to start with the stat block of the Copper Dragon Wormling. You're gonna lo- it's going to lose the flight, climb, bite, breath weapons, and its immunity to acid becomes immunity to poison. We're going to give it a new combat attack called Drudge Staff. It's a melee attack that has a five, uh, a 10-foot reach. It's a really long staff. Uh, and apparently it does slashing damage because I didn't fix it. Uh, it does bludgeoning damage. And a humanoid that is slain by the attack raises 1d4 rounds later as a Grimlock under the orc's control. Unless the humanoid is restored to life or its body is destroyed, the orc can have no more than six Grimlocks under its control at any one time. Now we're going to give it a channeling feature that recharges on a 5 or a 6. The orc uses the following channeling features. Noxious fumes. It releases a 15-foot cloud of uh, noxious fumes that extends out from the orc, and each creature must succeed a DC 12 con save or take uh, 1d6 poison damage and be poisoned for one minute. While poisoned this way, the target takes 1d6 poison damage at the start of each of its turns. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns to end the effect. You got ongoing damage. That sucks. Mm, and of course, fart. it can also <laughs> can release slowing spores. It's another 15 foot, uh, it's a 15 foot cone that causes mushrooms and other fungi to grow rapidly on its victims, slowing them down. Each creature in that area must succeed a DC 12 con save. On a fail, the creature can't use reactions. Its speed is half, and it can't take more than one attack on its turn. In addition, the creature can use either an action or a bonus action on its turn. Not both. These effects last one minute, and the creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of its turn, ending it on a success. <laughs> oh, I love it. I especially love the Noxious Fume thing, because funnily enough, that's an Grooms has an item that does that. Really? Something similar. That's yeah. a happy accident, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. What do you think about... I love these accidental hints at lore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my, my body, when I'm typing, just knows it, but my brain doesn't mm. connect it. Um, What do you guys think about <laughs> the Drudge Staff creating Grimlocks? I'm not sure that what That sounds is. terrifying. I just don't remember what Grimlocks were. Uh, Grimlocks. I've heard it many times. Apparently, when I search it, I get dinosaurs. Is that a robot dinosaur? No, that's not. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's these like I, little I tiny. I beat. He, oh no, no. I know. I know what creatures. happens. He beats this guy up, and this human morphs into a robot dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> it's morphin' time. They're one uh, quarter humanoid creatures. Uh, they speak undercommon, and they have stone camouflage, and they beat people with impromptu. Bone clubs. It just occurred to me our character concept is Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Once again, happy happy accident. Um, but I wanted a kind of necromancer orc, and this is kind of yeah. what I ended up with. So, and I think it fills the uh, fills the. Yeah, if all of yours would be up your alley. Yeah, he's the orc god of death and undeath. Oh, that's nice. I didn't and know that. Disease. Oh, that really fits in good. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah, Yurtus. 
The white-handed. Okay, uh, maybe I'll have to change this character's name. Yeah. <laughs> His priest carry bleached elf, use bleached elf skinless gloves to, you know, That's follow your sister's disturbing. <laughs> Though That's awesome. they're supposed to be interpreters between Yurtus and the community, but they very often cut out their own tongue or sew their mouth shut to represent his inability to speak, which kind of hinders their ability to be communicating both ways. I see. How do they eat? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Some don't. So I think... They just- Go until they die. <laughs> so I think that'll do it for our, uh, our monster variant, the Orc Drudge. If you're looking for an Orc Necromancer-esque type thing... You gotta check this out. If you don't know, I put lore and background story and everything and toss these together with some beautiful artwork and stat blocks for all of our patrons. Please consider and get one. Actually, Garwin can probably talk to that. I'm sure he's picked up and saw some of our our monster variants. What do you think of those? Well, I quite like your monster variants so far. Fair enough. So it sounds like he's waiting for one to suck. I haven't looked at them in too much detail. I've been a bit busy just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for our monster variant. Uh, our encounter of the podcast. Now, it is worth noting this is written by Ed Greenwood, and I found it in a dungeon dungeon magazine. I think that I was reading. Yeah, I think I recognize this one. Yeah. Huh? Yes. Uh, it's called the Talking Door. The tall, wide, and stout front door of the Inn of the Dripping Dagger is centuries old, though it has been replaced over the years, board by board, and metal plate by metal plate, as various parts of a of it have worn out yeah for all this time it has been unusually large but nothing more now however it has begun to whisper short and menacing sentences therefore is it still the same door uh no one is quite sure what the front door of the dagger began to speak but if rift became a concern the whole staff knew about a little over six ten days ago but if Andera, he wouldn't come there tried to stride in with the delivery of fresh eggs the door whispered loudly and distinctly, the third death will come tonight. Fuck this place. <clears throat> Why? What do its cryptic's utterances mean? Are they warnings? Are they directions that might lead somewhere? Whose voice is coming from the door? The innkeeper welcomes the new notoriety and the trade it brings, but his wife and daughters want the door silenced or destroyed. What will happen if they try to destroy it? The door is being imbued with a magic mouth spell by a spy who is monitoring the most dangerous of house games being played in the city. This can be used to weave a thoroughly engaging and complex political intrigue story. Yeah. Documented door order utterance utterances utterances don't worry baby bird i'll feed you yeah thank you his head will be found in a basket on boat street (laughs) after a century it will awaken hungry the inside of the two suits of armor have been poisoned don't put them on (laughs) the black sunder slew the sixth guild member but the seventh and eighth killed each other at first, I really thought this was going to be some dickhead in the basement screwing with people. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about this? This is fun. <laughs> oh, I can see quite a lot of fun things coming out of this one. Yeah, I, uh, Even with uh... just a dickhead in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> this complex investigation is just some guy that learned uh, the message cantrip, or the message spell. Yeah. Is it a cantrip? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. such a trickster. 
Uh, now I think about the Delight Fantastic, which I read this past week. Mm. Hey, buddy, how's it going? You're a tree. Yes. But trees don't talk. Oh, because you don't have vocal cords, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I really like this. If you're going for the political intrigue, this is a great place to start. Because not only do you have utterances that you can toss into your game, you can expand on what they mean. So this says, inside of two suits of armor, uh, the inside has been poisoned. So that sounds like somebody's either attempting to assassinate somebody, or two people have died, and this is a clue that, oh, go look again. Oh, there's poison coated, some contact poison on it that was missed during an initial investigation, and that's how they died. That can then be tracked to a thieves' guild or something. And So I really like this. I thought it was really well done, and, and Ed Greenwood just writes amazing content. So, um, you need to check him out stuff. So we got a comment on YouTube uh, from that says, only a monk can be a drunken master, not a wizard. That is a false statement. Uh, only from a that's, mechanical that's, Only a monk can gain mechanic yes. benefit yep. from being drunk. Yes. Anyone can be drunk and still fight, but only a <laughs> monk can gain, can gain yeah. benefit from doing it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so with that, um, I think that'll do it for our encounter. Our magic item today is coming from Garwin. You've actually made one. Now, you can summarize it if you want, because I know it's really, really big, since it is a legendary item. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I got the idea when I saw, when I looked at the Moonblade, and I saw that it's an, it's an item whose power increases the more wielders have it, so it's entirely focused on roleplay and the DM's decision on how powerful it really is. So I played around with that concept and wondered, what would Daurgothoth do if he got his hand on this item? Well, first thing he'd do is he'd go, why only elves? Screw that. Anyone can wield this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, effectively, the story behind this is he, have, he at one point, someone with a moonblade came into his lair or he went out to hunt or he went out to hunt one of these guys, killed it, took the blade back and broke the sentience in the weapon. Oops. Literally just Ripped it to pieces. Oh, uh, he killed it. <laughs> Basically. Though it's still a remnant inside the blade. And that is the curse that I call Broken Corpse. Oh, that's cool. So what kind of, uh, uh, besides it being a cur curse, what does it do that's beneficial first? Well, the Moonblade is very often put on the list as the most powerful magic item in all of D&D. Huh. If you get the right attributes for it. Because when you when you get it, you you either roll or the DM decides on how many attributes you can put in the weapon. And then there's a table with a bunch of different attributes that you can also roll on. Oh. But I didn't this know that. specific weapon here, it comes with the max of seven attributes, and then the player that gets it just rolls on what attributes he can get. If he's lucky, he might get he might land seven times on the attribute that says that increases the weapon's damage by 1d6 slashing. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. That's a lot of fun. So what's the curse? Well, a curse is follows around the fact that the sentience of the weapon is broken. So it's, while it is, it technically isn't even cursed, because it's just the sentience lashing out. Okay. So even then, we should using identify, Yep. and also, you know, target are doing stuff, wouldn't necessarily notice the curse. Right. Because it's just a part of the part of the weapon. It has a sentience. All right, there we go. <laughs> I love it. But the main fact is that because 
the sentience is technically dead, but it wants to be fixed because it's being wielded by someone who is an elf. It's breaking its original purpose. Right, right. Yeah. It wants to be fixed. I love the idea of that because yep. then I feel like it can constantly be pulling at the character to get it repaired. So then the character and maybe the character doesn't know that it wants to be repaired. So it's yeah. it's dragging the person for this thing to happen. And then when it finally does, they can't use it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that's horrible. Like here, like due to the dead sentience inside the blade, after 1d4 dawns, the wielder will start to see an element lady completely drenched, watery. Blood dripping from her ears, her eyes and mouth sewn shut, and her once beautiful golden hair tangled and ripped as it partially hangs over her face, in his peripheral vision at night, That's... rendering them incapable of gaining any benefits from a long rest during during the night, unless they succeed on a DC fourteen will save. That's terribly inconvenient for spellcasters. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or anybody again, else, I guess, because you die. Right, right. You eventually won't be able to heal. Um, yeah. that sucks. Uh, we had a yeah. comment that says it's not cursed, it's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the important part is that it only appears at night in this initial stage and only in your peripheral vision, so you never actually you properly see, see it. it. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I like, love this magic. One, it has four stages. Each of them happens after a D4 of dawns. So it just constantly changes? No, it, it adds more onto it. Ah, so it, get, so it gets more effects to it as it goes. Yeah. Very cool. Like, You'll have to send me the that. text of that so I can include it in the, the show notes. I'd like to read more, read it again. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that'll do it for our magic item. What'd you call it? It's, I just have in Moonblit for now. I have okay. to come up with a proper name. You have to come you up with something You can call it just cool then a Broken Corpse. Broken Corpse. I like that. You, you said yeah. something about Revenant Corpse earlier. I liked. Um, all right. That'll do it for our magic item. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is player character origin stories, you guys. These yeah. are great. Um, origin stories prime new characters to step onto the campaign stage fully drawn with motivations, purpose, and direction. At their most basic, origin stories provide alternate backgrounds for a player character. Played to their fullest, they can drive a character's story, bestow them with rewards, and shape their superstructure of the campaign. The arcs of origin stories might have as much or as little focus on the campaign as the group desires. In short, think of origin stories as character-oriented side quests that can run parallel to the plot, intersecting with it and diverging from it when appropriate. If you're at a loss for character side quests, try reflavoring a villain in a module to match one of the player's character's enemies, and switch out treasure with the player's character's appropriate alternative reward. Yes. If you're running a homebrew campaign, try incorporating the player character's uh, arch enemy or rival into the ranks of your main campaign adversaries or their associates. I really like this idea because there's a lot you can do besides just pulling, okay, I'm a sailor. Well, that's interesting. But there's more that you can do with that. Maybe uh, the re one uh, during his sailing, he be found a, a rival that he wasn't able to that kept getting the jump on him or something. And so you bring not up the fact that he's a sailor, but the fact that he has this rival who kept looting, looting. Or pi let's say pirate looting the the enemy before he got to it or finding the treasure first, which I think is a really cool way to do that. Uh, what do you think, Darwin? Oh, it could definitely be really interesting. Yeah, sorry. This was the day you almost got ahead of Black 
Jack Samuels. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. What is that from? That sounds familiar. Parts of Caribbean. Ah, that's why it's familiar. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's pretty straightforward, you guys. Um, everyone wants to pull right from their backstory, but coming up with things that are tied to the backstory but aren't is a great way to allow uh, to fully draw on character motivations in a in yeah. a new way. I think. Do you have anything, like If you don't put something into the backstory which the DM can actually use, it gets hard to actually include the, your backstory. Right, right. Yeah, using elements from a characters' backstories, I think, really helps bring that out in the game. Because I've done that in one of my last campaigns. I looked at their backstories, and one of my characters said, I don't want to play this character anymore. I just made it on fast character, and it sucks. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll kill him off next game. And I used a prior enemy from his past, and that person popped him. <laughs> nice. I keep picturing a beautiful. rival NPC who doesn't actually do anything wrong, but he always like annoys everybody. <laughs> and <laughs> and on top of that, you always try to deliberately sabotage that character, but always somehow benefits him. That's <laughs> awesome. Sound like Team Rocket. So I may have lost my arm because I got stuck in the trap, but I went to a blacksmith who was a dwarf, and I took like a. I the benefit. I now have a robot hand. I love, it. I love it. That's great. That that's that would be a great artificer story. So, um, all right. I think that'll do it for our dungeon master tip: player, character, origin stories. Our player tip of the podcast is: don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Nice. Uh, and you can avoid dickitude by following this awesome optimization tool called a very small problem. <laughs> oh, fairy. Uh, <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. I um, hate you. This, <laughs> this tip requires a bit of specifics. First, you need to be the fairy race, which is new, which is classified as a fae and is small in size. This is important, okay? In addition, they have a fly speed equal to their walk speed. Not a bad start, that's for sure. I'm going to be honest. Uh, the fairy gets some pretty cool race features too, specifically fairy fire spell at third level and enlarge reduce at fifth. I've seen fairy barbarians. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a tiny ass fairy I, I, I beating think, the shit out of you. I'm thinking just about weapon a damage really doesn't big. change when you get large or smaller. Not in this edition. <laughs> what are you gonna do, Pipsqueak? Nope. <sighs> I'm gonna shove your face through your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> You know, I'd argue that a fairy getting even tinier, but still hitting you with the strength of a barbarian is even scarier. Yeah, I think we learned uh, <laughs> a lot of that in What If. Ooh, spoiler alert. The Mighty Mouse. Uh, all right, so... Uh... <laughs> oh, now, you need to be a bard of the College of Creation. The performance of Creation feature basically allows you to create a medium or small object for a number of hours based equal to your proficiency bonus. Once you hit 6th level, you can use the feature Animating Performance, which allows you to bring said object to life as a companion. I would love to have a walking lamp. <laughs> which uses... It's just a leg that hops and follows you that glows. <laughs> which uses a special stat block called Dancing Item. With a bonus action, you can command this item to take actions if it is capable. Or it is capable of, yes. Uh, so we create a medium chest, animate it, and then fly in and out to gain the benefits of full cover so long as the animated oh. chest is alive. Oh. 
I'm oh, now picturing the no. lamp as a light lamp from uh, a Christmas story. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> you want to touch on that? I last would absolutely there? hate it as a DM, but I'd love it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, you can even take this further by combining it with spells such as scrying and meteor swarm to make attacks without actually ever leaving the inside of your protective <laughs> chest. <laughs> now, what's best? If you're already inside when the battle starts, an ally can set the chest off to the side <laughs> or on their back, making it extremely difficult for enemies to even know that there's another party member. Oh, just could you imagine you 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 attack this part in the middle of the night? You surprise them. Yeah, you gotta beat these two bastards up. And then suddenly a meteor swarm starts falling from the sky. Like, where's this coming from? <laughs> Who cast it? And, the, and, and that's the beauty of it. And... I mean, the full cover thing is already badass, but there's a lot of spells that require you just to see, and Scry lets you do that. So the idea of a pixie wizard stuffed inside this box is just terrifying as a dungeon master. You don't master. even need Scry. Just look through the keyhole. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Just look through the keyhole. Oh my gosh. I see you. <laughs> Dude, you could even shoot arrows through the keyhole. Yeah. Like, uh, what do they call you it? A murder, yourself, murder, you murder slot? Murder Shoot hole. an arrow. Murder Still hole. does the same damage. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love yep. it. What do you guys think about this? Pretty great? Yep. I really oh, want to yeah. make a fairy. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I think you that'll... Make, you, make, you make me tempted to not play an orc. Oh, oh, I am. That's You guys don't know, but that's a huge, huge compliment. So, uh, I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Taking advantage of this very small problem. <laughs> Face palm. All right. Uh, before we close out today, we have a gift to give away. Um, our for our weekly RPG fat loot giveaway. Brandon, take it away. Caught at the cross keys. Stuart Watkinson. Watkinson. Sure, go with yes. that. Yes. The about. young, wealthy, and extremely obnoxious noble has been talking very loudly about the money his family has. The party will have to head to the Cross Keys Inn on the high road south of Neverwinter and bring him back unharmed. However, the Cross Keys attracts many folks all with their own agendas. Dot Ooh. dot dot. Crazed drunken goliaths, street gangs, thugs, and adventurers from all over Faerun are all thrown in to make for one wild night at the inn. This adventure gives players the option to be the heroes and save the day or play another group of bandits looking to capitalize on the work of others. I like that. <laughs> so who's our winner today, Garwin? It's Matt Krijger. Mathis Krieger. That's what we're going to call it. And if that's not it, you're going to get an email. So it doesn't matter. You didn't win. No problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe to our newsletter for your chance to win. We give away fat loots all the time. Um, we're always tossing out loot and, 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 and dropping it off uh, right into your mailbox. Um, so, first of all, I want to say thank you, uh, Garwin, for not only being a uh, an Emerald Tier patron, but for joining us. I've been loving our games together. Um, oh he God, literally God. almost had us all in tears in the last game. He only says that because he wasn't really in tears. I was crying bad. 
I was there. I was I was close. It was some amazing role playing. So thank you for giving us that opportunity. He, he was doing a story. I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yep. uh, I play by my sleep. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, Brandon, how's your character feeling right now? Like this? Yeah, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thank love you. that too. Like Great, here at the table, there's a there's a lack of empathy, honestly, for people that aren't yourself here. So that was beautiful happening, seeing it. So if uh, if you want <laughs> if you enjoy the show and you like to support us, please visit us at CraigCammy.com. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube right now, please. Um, that that really really helps us out a lot. Uh, I've been dropping a lot of one minute TikTok videos and shorts and everything for you guys. So it's over there. With that, um, I am your host Justin. I'm your guest Garvin. I'm your co-host Ian. And I'm your co-host Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. In the standing, you actually pronounce the J. Really? It's almost never silent. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, I guess that's true here in most eyes, I guess. I don't know. I can't pronounce it. Mathjiz? Unless it's German, <laughs> then it's Y. Yeah, Mathies? It, it, uh, Krieger yeah, could be yeah, German, like, yeah. Anyway, The sound it makes is... <laughs> 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 Just like a fairy. Krieger. <laughs>